Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to gather here this morning. We ask that these words may be your words and that your words may change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So as most of you know, um, my wife of now 25 years and I just got back from a trip to Hawaii. And it was an absolutely amazing vacation. I highly recommend it to all of you. If you've never been to Hawaii, you need to go. Because here's the thing. It, this vacation was different than any other vacation I've ever had. Because, well, partly because Hawaii is different. I mean, first of all, we go to Maui. And in Maui, you expect, like, this tropical beauty everywhere. And there is, but not everywhere. Because, you see, the mountain ranges actually direct the rain, sort of like Lake Murray does here. And so half the island is brown and dead, and then half of it is just this absolute beauty of a place. And, and so there's something just incredible about that. But also different in Hawaii is, of course, the language. Even though it's in the United States, um, a lot of things are still in Hawaiian. And so as you're trying to read road names or places that you're going and pronounce them, it's really difficult to say them all. Because it turns out that in, in the Hawaiian language, every vowel is pronounced on its own. Whereas, you know, in English, we will put them together. So it's like, we say Hawaii, right? Actually, it's Hawaii, because both the I's are pronounced. And so, and so there, there's differences there. But you know what the biggest difference is between here and Hawaii? The time. Oh, good gracious. Six hours behind us. There was one day we were sitting by the pool about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we were FaceTiming our daughters, and they were blown away because we're putting on suntan lotion, and they're getting ready for bed. Uh, it was 9 o'clock here. And so, you know, we would have to make sure that when they would call us, it could only be after a certain time because, you know, first thing in the morning, hey, mom and dad, how are you? We're not too good. It's 3 o'clock here, you know? And so it, the, that time change is, is, a, is brutal, but not so bad going there as it is coming back. Because if I fall asleep in church today, just know it's jet lag. It's not because I'm that boring, Okay. But it's, but I tell you another difference, and that was for the first time in my 21-year career in ministry, I was actually so away from the congregation that there's no way, no matter what happened, that I could come back. And so, because all the other years, I mean, if something really bad happened, you know, if I was at the beach or, or somewhere like that, I could just get in the car and, and come back home, Right? Now, granted, that's rarely happened, but I'm also a preacher's kid. And so it's, it has, it's just been my life that you just know that if something really bad happens, the vacation could come to an end. But truthfully, there's a lot less of that now than there used to be. I mean, the only vacation I really remember coming home from had nothing to do with being a pastor at all. In fact, it was before I was a pastor. It was my honeymoon. Which, by the way, might be why we went to Hawaii. I might have told some of you this before, but when our honeymoon, we went to the luxurious island of Hilton Head. Because we had tons of money back then, you know? And, and so we were, we were at Hilton Head, and we were walking down the beach, and these folks from Ohio were talking. 
I'm assuming that it's Ohio because basically everybody in Hilton Head is from Ohio, right? <laughs> and so, and they were talking and they said, uh, they were talking about this hurricane and, you know, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This hurricane's coming. And I said to Stacy, well, look, those folks are from up north. They, they're not used to hurricanes. You know, they, anyone in the ocean is going to come and get us. Well, turns out I was wrong because later that afternoon, we're out by the pool and I went up to my room to get my wallet to enjoy a nice beverage by the pool. And when I came back down, there's a guy with a bullhorn out there saying, Hurricane Bertha is coming to Hilton Head Island and there is a mandatory evacuation right now. They were throwing all of the, the deck chairs and everything in the pool. We had to leave. A day and a half into our honeymoon and it was over. Canceled vacation. Have any of you ever had to deal with that? Maybe you got some bad news from home or somebody got sick or maybe you too were evacuated from a vacation. But it stinks when your vacation gets cut short, right? Because we need those breaks. We need that rest, don't we? I mean, that's why they're there. You know, studies have shown time and time again that people need a break. Now, I know some folks are like, you know, I, I just can't get away. I've got too much to do. Well, the reality is we are much more productive after a vacation than we are before. So we twice as much done if we take those breaks than we can if we don't. And so vacations are important to us. We are created to rest. That's why it says in the very beginning of the Bible, on the seventh day, God rested and he commands you to do it too. We are supposed to rest. We're supposed to take breaks. Which is exactly what Jesus was intending to do in our gospel reading. The disciples came back from, from their mission that we talked about a couple weeks ago where they were sent out two by two and they were told to basically don't bring anything, no extra money, no extra clothes, no nothing, just bring a staff and stay with wherever you're supposed to stay. And so they get back and they're really excited because, you know, they taught all these things and they healed all these people. Man, they'd had a, a, a great time out, but they were pretty exhausted. And people were still coming to them so much so they didn't even have time to eat. And so Jesus says, hey, we need a vacation. So let's take some time away. Let's go off, be by ourselves for a little while, you know, and pray and rest. Incidentally, this is the second time in Mark's gospel that Jesus has, has tried to, to get away, to take some time apart. And this is the second time that the people have hunted him down because they had to be with him. So this time, the disciples and Jesus are taking a boat across the Sea of Galilee, and the people are so interested in Jesus that they, beat, they go on foot and beat them to where they were going. So when Jesus and the boat lands, the crowd is already there. Now at this point, I'm thinking that our Lord had some options, right? I mean, he is, after all, Jesus. You know that if you haven't had a vacation, you get a little grumpy, or maybe that's just me. So I'm guessing that Jesus might have not been in a fabulous mood when he, when he docks the boat and sees thousands and thousands of people out there. I mean, he would have been well within his rights to say, look, folks, I love you, but y'all got to go. You know, I need a little break. You know, I'm sure if you're sick now, you're still probably going to be sick next week. I can heal you then. All the teachings I've got, you know, they're not going to change between now and next Friday. So just... Calm down 
and, and you know, just give us a break. Y'all go on home, and we'll be here in a little bit. But no. What the text says is that he saw the people, and he had compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he taught them many things. And now, what, if you look at the numbers in our text, there's actually a break there, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, he actually feeds 5,000 in, in this story. And then after he's done with that, after all of that work, he goes to the other side of the sea, to Gentile land, where Jews weren't necessarily welcomed or liked. And he has compassion for those folks too. And so much so that they are all coming to him and being healed. And he's healing them all. And he's teaching them many things. Because what we learn from this text is this. For Jesus, people come first. They come before him. He puts us ahead of himself. Even though he and his disciples needed the rest, Jesus put people first. Our Lord has an unfailing, unresting compassion for humanity. Unresting, unfailing compassion for you and me. He sees us and he places us above all else. He has compassion on us. And that's important, folks. Because if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves us so much that he's willing to put us and, and, and the rest of humanity before anything else. That's ultimate love, isn't it? Because, you know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes I need Jesus. Sometimes I'm feeling low. Sometimes I'm feeling weak. Sometimes I'm feeling tired. Sometimes I'm like a sheep without a shepherd. And it is great news to know that no matter what, Jesus is willing to have compassion on you and me. No matter how tired he is, no matter what else is going on, Jesus takes time for us. And that should tell us something, right? Because as Christ followers, shouldn't that be how we treat others too? I mean, let's be honest though, the world's kind of short on compassion right now, isn't it? I mean, we see other people who, who are struggling or who think differently than we do, or who vote differently than we do, or who act differently than we do, look differently, talk differently. We see people who aren't like us, and we have no room for them in our lives. We have no patience for them in our lives. We have no compassion for them. That's not who we are, folks. That's not who we're called to be, because that's not who we follow. We follow a God who puts people first, who has unresting, unfading compassion. And that's what we're called to have as well. We're called to have compassion on those who we deem to be less worthy. We're called to be, have compassion on people who don't think like us or, or, or don't do things the way we do them. We're called to have compassion on folks who need help, who need hope, who need love. You and I are called to have compassion, period. So who is it that needs your compassion today? I want you to ask yourself that. Ask yourself that not just today, but every day. Who needs my compassion today? Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what you're called to do. 
because that's who we're called to follow. Unfading, unfailing, unresting compassion. Share it with the world, and the world will change. Amen.